can be tough being a feeler. Most people fall into two categories. Either they're a feeler or they're a thinker. And for those of you feelers, today's episode is really for you. However, you thinkers, I would love for you to listen to this episode because it might give you a little more compassion and empathy for the feelers around you. A feeler is someone who's quite driven by their feelings. They can uh, discern the, the emotional climate of the atmosphere around them. And for some, it can be a fairly exhausting experience, but my guest today shares how this is actually a superpower that can help you tap into God's voice and the way God may lead you and teach you how to use this as a strength to shift the atmospheres around you. So I'm going to cue up that intro music. Let's dive right in and happy Valentine's Day. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Yvonne, I'm so excited that you're here to share with my listeners about uh, the the angle that you come at the prophetic with. My listeners are somewhat somewhat familiar with the prophetic. I talk about it a lot, and it's kind of woven throughout all my episodes of hearing God's voice and, and how to hear his voice, and, um, and I have done a series on that. But you come with a very specific angle, which is tapping into the feelings aspect of hearing God. Um, which I feel it like can be some of the hardest part of distinguishing between yourself and the Lord or even your atmosphere or whatever. So I'll let you get into that. But first, would you just introduce yourself for my listeners? For sure. My name's Yvonne. I live in Manitoba, Canada. Uh, so we are up here in the true north. I am a mom of three teenagers. Well, one is I call an adult with training wheels, and then I have two teenagers at home. I've been married for 18 years, so on a incredible journey there. Um, I actually started doing the prophetic about five years ago when I realized everything that I was feeling finally got terms and definitions too. And I realized my entire life that I wasn't the weird person or, you know, I wasn't just walking around having these feelings and there was nothing wrong with me. What it was is I didn't have definitions to the words um, of who I was. And so when I learned that five years ago, I started making it a mission to help people find their identity. I learned how to hear from God prophetically, especially when you're a feeler and uh, started a business called Damascus Experience where I take people on an experience, an encounter that completely and radically changes your life, that you go from one road to another, and uh, it becomes a journey that you talk about for your entire life. It's it's your faith journey. That's awesome. Well, I want to make sure that we um, include contact information for you so people, if they want to go on this Damascus experience, that they can connect with you in that way. But um, now we we always teach uh, the importance of, especially in the prophetic, because it can be so abstract and um, it doesn't fit in boxes, you know? And no, it doesn't. <laughs> so we're huge on the prophetic, having accountability and being under authority and stuff like that. So explain, I mean, you, I know that you, you, you do this at your church, so you're in partnership with your pastor, and then you were also commissioned through the leadership at Bethel. So explain a little bit about that. So I was uh, went to the School of the Prophets, and uh, we had an amazing speaker who was calling uh, prophets out on them, and I was given a prophet, Jeremiah. With that, I took that information back to uh, my leader, my leadership team at uh, the church I attend here in Manitoba, and I presented that information to them, and that's where I submitted to the authority under them to learn how to be a leader in the church. And then what I did is I also established a very core community around me. So anytime I, because feelings can be very messy and you can make a big mess with them sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I have certain people in my life who I've given permission to be what I call my truth tellers. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing something, they can just take me aside and be like, Yvonne, are you sure (laughs) That's what God is saying. And you don't just need a nap today. (laughs) 
And so I made sure I established some core people in my life because um, I very firmly believe that prophetic needs to have accountability, 100% accountability. So when I teach that, I make sure that when I teach that, I also am accountable for the things that I say and can be called into question at any time without my feelings being hurt. That's awesome. I love that. That gives me so much comfort because you're right. Like we, my husband and I have experienced in, 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 I think of like the first church that we were at. And when we left, there was, I mean, in that church, uh, we had had prophet Phil come in, did training for years. So it was like a prophetic climate within that church. And it, it seemed healthy to me. Um, but there was some messy things about when our pastor died and how people responded in grief and, it got super messy and some of the people who were the most prophetic yeah. responded with the least amount of character to that situation. They didn't have honor. They were gossiping, all this kind of stuff. And so it was kind of eye-opening to me that spiritual gifts do not equate to spiritual maturity. They really yeah. don't. And your character is where your maturity comes in. And, and so my husband and I became very passionate about when we would train people in the prophetic. We put a lot of emphasis on the fruit in their life because even Matthew, in Matthew 7, 15 through 20, it talks about in the New Testament, a false prophet, you'll know them by their fruit. And that word fruit is the same word used for fruit of the spirit. And yeah. so you may be all sorts of prophetic, but if you're not coming out <laughs> the right spirit, then you're not really being God's prophetic, you know? And so I love that you have that accountability built into your life. It's so important. Um, okay, so then describe for us, because I love how you put a unique focus on feeling, um, the feelings aspect of this, because I on Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFJ, so I'm a feeler, and <laughs> my husband is not a feeler. He very much hears, like he hears yeah. a whole And so, um, but I feel and I see, I hear too a lot. I mean, I really move in all of it, but you get me near someone and I can understand what they're feeling without them opening their mouth. Like... I can just pick up on it. So, and I, I disciple a number of women who are feelers and we laugh because every time we get together and talk, there's tears, you know, it's just like <laughs> being a feeler can be complicated. So explain what that is and how that's actually a, an attribute of like a quality attribute. So a feeler is somebody who has strong emotional feeling that dictates your every day. So I usually talk about it is when you're a feeler, you're not over emotional, your emotions guide you, which is vastly different than what people think. People think because I cry all the time, I'm a feeler. No, you feel a lot and that's fantastic. But if your feelings don't guide you in your everyday, you're generally not a feeler. Um, you have a sense in the room even when you're close to people or you walk into a room, you have a really great sense of what's going on. So if I walk into a room that had 20 people and one person was angry, I generally can just be like, oh, okay, so we have some happiness here, but we have some frustration going on there. And you can get a really good sense of how the room is moving and operating. Um, feelers can sense God's heart for a situation with, which often brings inspiration and hope to people. Feelers can gauge when to move, how to relate, and can bring change where they are. So being a feeler is, I say it's fantastic. And a lot of people that I talk to often go, how do I stop being a feeler? And, <laughs> and <laughs> it's a question I actually get the most is, how do you stop being a feeler? And the, the thing is, is you don't want to stop being a feeler. You want to learn how to grow into your gift of feeling. Because we, what we do is when you're what I call a baby feeler, you take on everyone else's emotions around you. You know, my husband comes home angry, I'm angry. Now, I go to work and everybody, you know, is overjoyed with things, but you feel stressed out. All of a sudden, you forget that you have to do work because you're caught up in the emotion. And you get swept away by your emotion. Um those are the times that people sit and they go, I don't want to be a feeler anymore because I'm being swayed by the world. I like to teach people to anchor themselves in their feelings and learn how to establish their feelings and the world's feelings and then how to operate out of your feelings that mirror God's feelings. Okay, that was a lot of feelings from a lot of directions. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of my son 
he is um, on the Enneagram scale. He's an Enneagram three wing four. So the, the, the Enneagram fours, uh, their whole existence is about the emotional experience. Like yeah. everything is, is emotion. And so for him, it is hard to teach him like, hey, no matter how you feel, you have to make decisions that are right. And you have to like be able to discern what wisdom would say versus just what your feelings are saying. And so like, I'm thinking about like him, like this could be, you know, really beneficial way to teach him, which I also teach him, you know, the importance is you have the ability to empathize and have compassion on a level that many people can't, you know? And so I try to show him the strengths of this, but how do you teach people? Because I'm a firm believer. We should be led by the spirit, not led by our feelings. However, we're discerning, um, when we're discerning through our feelings what the spirit is saying, I think that's what you're describing as the difference, right? Yeah. Okay, so go into that a little bit. Okay, so when I teach the difference of that, the first thing I teach people is identity. Mm-hmm. And the reason I teach identity is because if you don't know who you are and you don't know who God is, you tend to be swayed by emotions in the world. So my daughter is also an Enneagram four. So she is very emotional um, with things. And my youngest son is actually a feeler. And so, which is hard. We're a family of five and three of us are over emotional all the time. So (laughs) that that can become difficult because we can feed off of our emotions, right? So what we do is the first thing I teach is your identity. And why identity is so important is you learn to align yourself with God. You build a solid foundation in who you are. And that way, when you have feelings that are going on in yourself, you're not reacting out of emotion. You're actually reacting to the world. So there's a there's a difference right? We don't want to react because my feelings are hurt. I want to react to somebody because God loves them. And you can't tell the difference if you don't know who you are. The second thing I teach is about anchoring in the storm. So what that means is um, I love the story of when Jesus is on the boat and the seas are, are just, they're big. And, you know, I've watched video of what, you know, seas on Galilee would look like, and they looked huge. So I would never want to be on a boat like that. (laughs) but I love the story and why I love that story is because while the disciples were up on the boat and Jesus was down in the boat sleeping they were so panicked that there was a storm happening and they went down to wake him up and I read I was reading that one day and I was like God I don't understand what is going on and when I was listening to what he was saying he says they were surprised that a storm was happening because Jesus was with them You see, we think that when Jesus is with us, there's going to be zero storm that happens. But as a feeler, I take the storm of the world is all the emotions, everything that is happening. And when Jesus is with us, it anchors us in the storm. So even though there's a storm going on outside of us, inside of us, we sit with supernatural peace. So we, we do identity. We learn about the anchor in the storm, how to anchor into the peace of God. And then I teach about authority. Now, authority is important because when I have authority to walk in my gift of being a feeler, I can change the atmosphere around the room. So if somebody is upset, and and you you said it perfectly, when you carry the fruits of the spirit with you in who you are and you prophetically carry them, everything about you will carry fruit. So if somebody is upset and you know that they're upset because you can feel it, your authority is to switch the atmosphere around them. So if you've ever been around people and you go in there and you're happy and all of a sudden you start laughing, people will start laughing, not because they're happy, but because they're reacting to something vastly different than what they were feeling two minutes ago. That is the authority we get to walk in. We get to change that when we carry the fruits and we're aligned with God. We get to change that atmosphere around them. And then they start laughing. And then their feelings change because they go, oh, joy. Joy is a fruit. And now I want to sit in joy and I don't want to be angry anymore. Yeah. 
That's so good. I know that makes me think of uh, in Genesis when God was creating the earth and he said everything was to produce fruit according to its kind. Yeah. And everything that we do that's living, even if it's even if it's wrong, um, it will produce fruit according to its kind. And so if I'm able to discern like, hey, I walk into uh, a climate where maybe my kids, they're all boys. And so all four of them, they're just like, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> and a lot of like, I was just joking, but acted like a jerk, you know? And so there's a lot of that. So sometimes I, as a feeler, it is a struggle not to get caught up in yes. their emotion, you know? And I have to remind myself, sometimes I'll even just stop myself and lean into Holy Spirit and be like, Lord, how do I not rip their heads off right now? Like, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, the, and I anchor myself into the leading of the Holy Spirit versus the leading of their emotions. And um, in, in Bible school, they said, they, they used this phrase, leaders are responders, they're not reactors. And that kind of like gave me like a little bit of a compass of the concept that I feel like you're describing. Yeah. So I love that. You look like you're going to say something if you, did you have anything with that? No, I, and, I, and I love that because I think the biggest thing that we can do as feelers is change our atmosphere in our homes. I, I find it's the most powerful thing, powerful thing that we get to do and an honor really to change the atmosphere in our home. I know that when you change the atmosphere in your home, um, your family changes with that, right? So, um, and so a lot of feelers are women, right? We have a lot of men who are feelers too, um, but a lot of feelers are women. Uh, and so you'll often hear the words, you know, like if mom's not happy, no one is happy. And I was like, oh, I don't like that saying. That is so like, why are you, why are you waiting on my emotion? But then I realized because I carry the emotion of the house. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and I started looking at that phrase so differently going, mom's not happy. Oh, hold on a second. Why is mom not happy? What is happening internally inside of her that she needs to maybe go sit with God and go figure out because something happened in the house where we were going so level and then we dipped and it's like, mm. so I think it's so, it's so great. And it's a great way to start learning your gift of being a feeler is in your own home. Mm, that's so good. And that's so true. I, um, I was thinking of, hold on. It left my brain for a hot second. Um, It'll come back to me. Let me go ahead and ask the next question. So how do you teach people? Well, I guess you've kind of already begun to describe this of how you teach people to use this superpower, if you will, in yes. a productive life-giving way. Because I think all of us can, like everyone has feelings. Some people are, I think the term is an open circuit and, yeah. and a fine circuit. And this is like a psychology terminology that actually helps me understand my husband better. Um, whereas I'm an open circuit, wide open, I can feel everyone's feelings, um, my feelings impact others, and you know, it, it can make me naturally more of a roller coaster. Yeah. However, I have learned the importance of, like you're saying, anchoring to your identity. I teach my boys all the time, like you don't treat people honorably because you feel like it. You treat them honorably because you're honorable. Yes. End of story. Like that's who you are. So that's how you act, <laughs> you know? And, um, but my husband is a defined circuit, which is meaning that his whole emotional experience is kind of mm, closed off is not a good word, but it's like, as if he's, there's a fence around his emotions and his yeah. emotions don't, he's not easily swayed by the emotions around him. Um, yeah. not as easily as someone like me, but he also, isn't able to give emotion as freely. Like he's a little bit more, um, he's patient in stressful situations, but he's not, it's, it's harder to emotionally connect with people who are a closed or a defined circuit. And so you have people who are feelers and people who are not feelers. And so for those who are feelers, it, it can feel like a vice, but it's really a superpower. And so by recognizing, I think proactively, 
how you're affected by the climate around you can help you learn to recognize, A, maybe your, your mile markers of when you're getting pulled into an unhealthy place, and then mile markers of how, what to look for to be intentional. And so how do you teach people to look for things to be intentional with? So what I do is, um, for, I'll use myself as an example with my husband. My husband is a seer, um, but he's very much the same way. He is very, uh, he doesn't give a lot of emotion. Something exciting happens. We were, we took a trip five years ago with our kids to go to Disneyland. First time we ever got to go. We were so excited. And I was jumping up and down with excitement. And I looked at him and I said, how come you're not excited? He goes, I am excited. <laughs> like, tell your face. <laughs> it's like, where is it? I don't see it. And I have to, and I have to consciously remember all the time that not everybody is as, as you know, expressive with their emotion as I am. And, you know, I was getting frustrated with that. I'm like, I show all my emotion. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like, God, come on. Like, what is happening here? And we learned this term when my husband and I took this um, respect, love and respect course years ago. And this term we learned is he is the break and I am the gas. And I find a lot of people who are in, who are feelers will often have a break in their life, right? They're either married to a break, or if you're not married, you have uh, somebody who is very close, a leader, somebody who is the break. And to make the car go, you need a gas, but you also need a break. A break will never go anywhere. And a gas will just, you know, you will drive off the road because you'll never stop. And so what I learned was, is that as I go, I get swept away by my emotions so quickly sometimes that he's actually the one who pulls me back from the edge often. Yeah. Um, so when I realize that my emotions and my reaction becomes bigger than the situation, I've realized I hit a milestone where I have to go, okay, what is happening? I'm being swept away. I need to sit down and I need to just take like 30 seconds to go internally and go, what is happening right now? Why am I being swept away? Uh -huh. That's a one mile marker that I often see is when people do that. Number two, a mile marker that I love is a worship session. Love those ones. When people get can get swept away by music. I don't know about you. Do you love worship music? Like, is that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So myself too, I will go. So the first time I ever went to um, a great big worship session, we were at uh, Bethel Church and my husband was there and I was there. And by the time we were done, that worship session was probably an hour long. I had tears. I was crying. I was probably sweating and stuff. And my husband was just like, that was good. And I'm like, what do you mean that was just good? I said, that was the most amazing experience I ever had in my life. And then when we were done after the speaker, he, I after the speaker was done talking, he looked at me and he goes, that was the best conversation I ever heard in my life. And I said, it was okay. And then I realized that his <laughs> gifting, even though it's so different, he takes away so many different things that I don't get. So when I partner with him, I have an opportunity to get a full picture of what God is doing instead of just my feeler picture of what God is doing. I also have to remember that if I don't partner with that, I miss a lot of the things that are happening. So when I find that I'm not getting a full picture, that's a mile marker for me. And I need to go bring myself into the company of other people who are different than just a feeler to understand what is happening in the world or in my city or in my church at that moment. And that's a mile marker that, you know, I tell people to watch for all the time. Oh, that's really uh, I, I know that I had heard the phrase like that some people, especially if they're more thinking oriented and less feelings oriented, like it's helpful to ask them not how did that make you feel or how do you feel about this, but what do you think about this or what were your thoughts about that situation? And like it's it's interesting that you were so responsive about worship, which is a, a more emotion driven moment. Yeah, he was really responsive to the teaching, which is a more thinking driven. Yeah. Moment. You know, and so that's pretty cool. I love that. And so I feel like also that validates like, I mean, I was in a prayer group the other day and, uh, and one of the guys, he's an extrovert and he was like, 
he was like, I don't believe, I don't believe that being introverted is even godly. And I was like, what? And I, I didn't even touch it, but I was like, that's such a wrong way of thinking, you know? Cause I was like introverts, extroverts, feelers, thinkers, yeah. we're all made in the image of God, you know? Yeah. One is not greater than the other, but just knowing how God's built us, then we can begin to celebrate it and use it as an intentional uh, weapon of warfare or um, a salve of healing, you know, or a, a strength to people. We can use it intentionally as a gift and, and it not operate as a vice in our life. And so I just love that. So how can you help people avoid pitfalls? What are some red flags that they, which I mean, you talked to mile markers, so it kind of nods to red flags, but what would you say are some red flags that you teach people to watch for? I want people to be very self-aware of who they are. I think we have a lot of people in the world who are very unself-aware feelers mm -hmm. and they walk around reacting to the world instead of reacting to God. Mm -hmm. So the more self-aware that you are as a feeler, the more in tuned you are to what God is trying to say and to who you are, right? Because we have God speaking to you, you have your own emotions coming at you, you have the world is coming at you. I mean, if you have family or you're very close to people, you can actually take on their emotions at the same time. So it's it's like drinking from a fire hose all the time. That's that it's exhausting and that's what it feels like all the time, drinking from a fire hose. When you are self-aware, I can go, Am I cranky because I did not eat today? Okay, that is one thing. That is something that I have to make sure I'm aware of. You know, I'm not cranky because somebody did something. I'm cranky because I did not take care of myself. Right. I need to eat. <laughs> um, then, I, then being self-aware also goes, am I upset that somebody hurt my feelings? Now, that's a big one because if somebody says something to you, I often can take it very personally. And that personal... Um, that personal word that they said, I take back to God and he usually tells me that number one, I'm wrong, <laughs> that they weren't trying to be mean, but two, there's a need inside of me that I haven't healed or I need met by him. And so I'm trying to get it met by the world. And what I really need to do is I need to bring it back to him to get it healed. So I can't be a feeler and be half. I need to be a whole person. I need to really work on my, my hurts and my pains and how I work. And um, I call it wearing glasses. Like when you wear lenses, if my filter is dirty, I cannot see the world the way that God wants me to see it. I'm actually getting this information and then I'm putting it through these lenses uh, that are very cracked and dirty. And so I need to work on those lenses. I need to work on myself. I'm constantly reading self-help books. I go to counseling. I talk to people very close in my life all the time. And I'm making sure that I'm healthy on the inside because that's where my feelings are being filtered through is my on the inside. And in Jude 1, 21, it says, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. That is, it's a number one. If you, you want to be, you want to learn how to grow in your gifting of feeling, keep yourself in the love of God. Because a feeler is the heart of God. And you cannot be the heart of God if you are not kept in the love of God. So yeah, to avoid pitfalls, being a feeler and wanting to grow it, those are key areas that I always recommend that people work on. It sounds like for someone who's a feeler, then a struggle could be uh, bitterness and unforgiveness. Yeah. Because it can be easy to get stuck in that cycle of like reminiscing the feelings. The feelings come up again. The thoughts come up and so the feelings come up and then it can be yeah. easy to get stuck. But like the word says that don't let a root of bitterness come yeah. up because it defiles many. Like a root of bitterness gives birth to so many different um, ungodly thought yeah. processes and attitudes. And so would you agree that that would be something that feelers have to keep an eye on? 100%. I, 100%. Because as a seer, somebody who sees, they see a vision of what God wants. So it's, it's very external. Being a seer is very external. Um, being a hearer is very external. Being a knower is very external. But a feeler is internal, right? So if you're a seer, you can still do 
everything and be an angry person, but you can still get a vision for what God is doing, right? Um, but being a feeler, if you are not internally self-aware, then you're not, then you're going to have issues and you're going to, and issues filtering what God is trying to say. And that's why I think there's a lot of people who are repressed in their emotions because there's a lot of things internally that they are working on or not wanting to work on. And so those are feelings are not coming out. Yeah, that's so good. I know I always love getting into practicals because I love my listeners to have tools they can walk away with. So one thing that um, helped me as a feeler that I that I learned, we actually learned it in marriage counseling, but it helped me in all relationships is as feelers, when we have a, and it, it hits to the point that you, you made about when we get upset, there's something lacking in our souls. Yeah. Um, in that when we have a strong reaction to something, particularly a negative reaction, um, then a strong reaction is an indicator that a button in our heart just got pushed, right? Yeah. And that button is there because there's a lie underneath it. Yeah. And so, and I've shared this with my listeners before, but it's been a while. So for example, there was one situation where I had been in a group thread and I had um, been texting and I had asked some I had asked a question to the group. It was four of us. And I said, hey, did we decide when we were going to get together? And instead of anyone responding to me directly, the, the other male in the group texted my husband and tried to orchestrate it together, which is thoughtful. But I took it <laughs> as what these men can't even talk to me can't even acknowledge me you know like i took it personal and so i literally went in the bathroom and cried about it got angry got upset and i was able to like for a moment step back from myself and say okay generally your reaction is quite extreme for what is probably actually happening and so it i said okay a button was pushed what lie am i believing that allowed yeah. the button to be pushed and i realized the lie i was believing was that as a female, I'm, I'm uh, less significant or that people don't want to listen to me or, you know, there was, a, there was some things that had been a wound there. So it allowed me to, instead of focusing my frustration on that person, which that person was not my issue, it allowed me to focus my attention on healing that wound in my soul. And it was so empowering. So in that way, my feelings became a vehicle for me to discover myself and heal an aspect of my heart. And so is that kind of the process you're talking about, about identifying those places? Yes, 100%. You know, we, you can feel, um, one of the things that I say is if you walk around a room and you find somebody and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I don't like that person for some reason. And it's nothing that person has ever done to you. Just for some reason, you don't like that person. I tell people, get close to that person because there's something about that person that is rubbing you the wrong way and pushing, as you said, a button in you. That God's like, hey, I want you to heal from this, right? Because he wants us to be at our best all the time so that we can do the things that he has called us to do. And for feelers, that is a lot of self-awareness, a lot of counseling, a lot of emotion, you know, struggling, and a, a lot of identifying these things. And so we don't want to do them quick as possible, because that's draining. But two, being open and aware when you are surrounded by people or you're going somewhere, just like you were aware that, oh, there's something wasn't right. What was that? When you become aware of that moment, you go, okay, and now I have a choice. I can either push into it or I can run away from it. And I've been on both sides of it. I've ran away from it because I don't want to feel that anymore. So I'm not going to do that. You know, where God's like three months later is cornering me in a, you know, the closet as I'm crying, going, I was trying to help you deal with this three months ago. I'm going, got to do it the hard way now. Um, and then there's sometimes where I'm like, okay, you want to take the bandaid off. Let's push into it and let's see what that is. And sometimes that is a healing right away, or it's a beginning of knowing there needs to be a process of healing to go with that. That's good. Now, how would you describe, because I know that in times past, um, I think my feelings and my ability to feel 
has kept me away from people that would have been a negative influence, particularly when I was younger. Um, but even as adult, as an adult, I can get around certain people and just pick up on their spiritual climate or their emotional climate. And I just know I'm like, mm, I don't want to anchor my train to that. You know, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to hook up with that. And I think it's protected my internal climate and yeah. my relationships and, and allowed me to preserve. And so how do you balance what you just described of press closer to that person because they're rubbing something that needs healing in you versus I'm picking up on stuff that is actually going to help protect me from aligning myself with people I don't need to be aligned with. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries are so important. Um, as a feeler, I constantly tell people you need boundaries. And this is how I describe a boundary. So imagine you have a great big um, hotel, right? Very tall, beautiful hotel. And the hotel is your boundary. Now you can tell people who walk in whether they're allowed to be in the lobby, first floor, second floor, or they're allowed all the way up to the penthouse of your boundary. So that is the level of boundaries that you have. So there's some people I only allow into the lobby of my boundary. That means that there is a certain amount of time that I spend with them. There's a certain amount of feelings or energy I give to them. And there's a certain amount of feelings and energies I take from them. Now, the higher up I go, the more that there is an exchange of mutual feelings. And what I mean by that is when I allow people to speak truth into my life, that is an exchange of mutual feelings. They're helping me develop and grow better. When there is somebody who uh, come, I come across and I get this feeling, oh, maybe I need to interact with them to have an understanding. Once I get past that feeling and I interact with them, it generally is not the feeling, it's the situation that they are in. There is something happening in their lives that mirrors something that is happening in mine. And so when I have an opportunity to walk it out with them, or when it's brought to my attention, I have the opportunity to walk it out in my own life. So if feelings are just the first part of getting into what God wants you to do, it's like the doorbell of when you get into a home, right? God rings the doorbell. There's my feelings. But when I open the door, he's like, this is what I want you to look at. Okay, so give us an example of what that what that would look like in practical. Because I was, and, and the reason I'm hitting on it is because I have in my life been in very unhealthy situations that I stayed in because I had all these spiritual reasons why I should. Oh, you need to die to yourself. Oh, um, you know, you need to just trust the Lord to defend you. Oh, you need to turn the other cheek. Oh, you and all these like Christian mantras yeah. that could be healthy but they were causing me to have a lack of boundaries or to even actually know where or how to apply boundaries. So I don't want, I don't want my listeners to walk away uh, feeling like it's okay to violate their inner, inner checks and balances, you know, that comes yeah. from feelings because that's important. Like I think God gave us that. So how do you discern which way to lean? You know, even Jesus steered away from certain people, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. How do you teach them to discern, you know, the difference? Because I think that checks and balances on the inside is, is as much for our protection as anything, you know? Yeah, I agree. We need checks and balances. We need them to help navigate us. So my checks and balances are, number one, having a full understanding and hearing Holy Spirit all the time. That is my number one. That's my, that's my first go-to. If I had a list, that's the top of my list, right? So if I, so for example, I ran into somebody and there was somebody in our church that uh, had a lot of emotion. They themselves had a lot of emotion. And every time I walked by them, I would walk wider and I would start walking to the point where I was walking wide circles around these people because their emotions were just coming at me. And I was like, oh man, God, like what is happening? Right. And so I sat down when I, when I got that feeling, I sat down for, you know, a few minutes and I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Is this something you want me to get, engage with? Okay. And if he said, yes, this is something I want you to engage with. Then what I did is I tentatively went up to them and started talking to them. 
right? And I didn't divulge all information, right? I was very hesitant. I wait, it's what I call waiting in the water, right? I was testing out my feelings. I was going, okay, my feelings are this, this is what they're saying, right? It's a, it, the discerning process is making things match up and align with God. So if their feelings are coming out angry and frustrated, but they're saying words that are happy, there's something not aligning there correctly. So if their feelings and their words are not lining up completely, generally I take a step back and I bring that to God and go, what do you want me to do in this situation? Do you want me to pray for them? Do you want me to interact? Do you want me to be part of their lives? And then I weigh them out. Now, if their feelings match what they're saying, even though it's not aligned with God, there's still a self-awareness that they're admitting that they're having feelings and that they are struggling. And generally when they have that type of struggle, that's when I go and I talk to them and I say, what are you looking for? Can I help point you in the right direction? Can I pray for you? And that's when I wait out, do I have the capacity to engage and help somebody as in, my kids don't need me on these days, you know, like my my home is good and situated. My foundation is solid and aligned in Christ right now. I could help this person and God says, I want you to go. I'll go because he knows that I'll be okay. And um, I get this picture in my head when I do that. And what it is, it's a, uh, okay, this, I'm a little bit, I'm older. And so people are going to get this reference. You ever watch the Jetsons? Girl, you know the cartoon, girl. the Jetsons? Yeah. Hey, do you remember when they go on the phone and this bubble comes down over them, uh-huh. right? When you watch that cartoon, I imagine this happening to me. And what that does is it puts up what I call my supernatural barrier over me to protect me from whatever they're giving to me so that it's not interfering with my emotions And I can align myself with God and go, okay, what do I need? And how can I help them without being impacted by my feelings? Does that make sense? Yes, totally. That's good. So that really points to like in scripture where in Romans 8, I think it is, where it says the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. Yeah. Um, And even like how Jesus interacted with people, something that I noticed is Jesus was always aware. In fact, what I love is when people would come to him with words but their motives were to trap him, kind of what you're describing. He would not speak to their words. He would speak to their motives. You know what? One of the biggest things I've learned, especially in the last year, is feelers have these amazing opportunity to speak truth to people, to what they need and not what they want. Yeah. And one of the things that I've read, because I went on, I've I've been reading the Bible very faithfully the last couple of years, but really intensely the last two years. And one of the things that I learned and I saw was that Jesus never spoke to what they wanted. He spoke to what they needed. So when they said, I want you to heal, you know, I want you to heal me. Jesus goes, but I want you to be healed. I didn't want it to just be an external thing. Jesus wanted it to be an internal thing. And as a feeler, we get to speak truth to those internal needs. So when we have an opportunity to speak to somebody and we go, I see that you're angry. I hear that you're angry. You're telling me you're angry at your husband. I can take my feelings and go, is it because you're feeling unloved and unworthy? You're not angry at your husband. You're feeling unloved and unworthy. And that need is not being met. Now, I don't recommend anybody do that to strangers. We (laughs) don't do that to strangers. We don't walk up to strangers on the streets and say that. This is after developing a relationship with with a person, right? After in talking with them and engaging with them. But when you engage with people who have emotions that are not aligned with God, and you can tell that, you get an opportunity to speak truth into their lives. And then you become what I call a truth seeker. Your emotions become the truth seeker. And so we get to bring life to people who feel like they're dying. Yeah. And I love that really at the bottom of everything you're describing of how the feelers can learn to operate between what is the truth and what is simply a surface level discernment is really at the bottom. It's discernment. You know, the Bible talks about 
praying that, that you'll have a discerning of spirits and that you'll walk in discernment. And that's really what you're describing is like discerning what is truth and what is actually in operation in the situation versus what's being presented. And, um, and so I feel like, I feel like feelers do have, um, uh, a leg up, if you will, on discernment because we can pick up on that stuff so easily. So, okay, last question. How would you say that this can impact people's relationship with Jesus? And I, I don't mean to make our uh, interview too long. You've been so gracious, but <laughs> how would you say this can impact their relationship with Jesus? Go and read the story of David. David was a man after God's own heart. Now, when God, when David was not aligned with God, you can see what he did, but you can also see what he did when he was aligned with God. Being impacted as a feeler, there is an invitation for an intimacy that is so deep that you feel the love of the Father unconditionally. There's a lot of people who go and say to me, Yvonne, I don't feel God loves me. I don't feel it. And then, you know, we find out that they're a seer or a hearer, right? Of course, they don't feel it. For them, it's a lot more work to feel the love of God. And so working, I, I work with them all the time to try to heighten their feelings so that they can feel that. As a feeler, we naturally feel the love of God all the time. That means that our faith becomes so supernatural that we can stand in front of the mountain and ask God to move it because we can feel the love. We know he's with us. He is for us. So we, you'll find the most, the biggest people who have faith in this world are generally feelers. Yeah, Why? Because yeah. we feel it. We feel the father's love of what, of uh, what's happening. Um, and so walking in that, you're just walking in unconditional love. So that really is the impact of being a feeler when you are with Jesus. You know, when you line up, you are healthy, right? And I really want to stress there's there's a health component. We have an obligation as feelers to be healthy. It's not a, I want, I, I think I need to be healthy. No, we have an obligation to be healthy. We owe the world that because the world wants to have these supernatural experiences and discernment of what's happening. And we need to be part of that. So we need to get our, our feelers healthy. Absolutely. I love that. Um, and there's a, there's a book, you've probably read it. Uh, what's it called? Emotionally, <laughs> Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Have you read it or heard of that series? I have heard of it. Yes. Our church has actually just started that. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's so good. And they have the emotionally healthy woman, the emotionally healthy husband, or wife and husband, the emotionally healthy leader, and emotionally healthy children. They have a whole series and it's just so good because it creates what you're talking about, that foundation of us tending to our responsibility to be healthy so that our discernment, so that our voice, so that our all of this comes from a pure, true place. And yeah. I, I love that. Okay, so I do have a life hack segment at the end of my episodes. where I throw in something super practical and helpful about life that like makes life easier. So would you say there's a tool or a book or something that you would um, recommend to the listeners to grow in this journey? Yes, actually I do. Meditation. Okay. Meditation is the, my key go-to in any part of being a feeler. Now there's many different things, but we'll talk about one, which is meditation. And the reason that's my key go-to is because there is something biblical about being still and having the peace of God internally in you. Mm -hmm. And when you can remove yourself from the world and go to a place, sometimes that's just in my office where my kids are not bothering me. Sometimes I go hide in my closet and lock my room door. I have teenagers, so I can do that because they'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and not everybody can do that. Sometimes it's even taking 30 seconds, standing in the pantry, breathing in and breathing out and letting that stillness of God to fall on you. That I'm going to tell you, you are going to change your life just doing that. That's going to grow you more than anything else. 
Yeah, and I want anyone who were thrown off by the word meditation, she's not talking new age meditation. She's talking scriptural <laughs> meditation where the word says to meditate on God's words all the time. Yeah. Let them continually be in your mind and on your lips. And so meditation is simply the practice of getting still and thinking on one singular thing and getting focused and kind of centered in yeah. that moment, right? Centered yeah. and grounded. And so that's awesome. You're right. I totally agree with you. Like, I feel like actually, ironically, the season of my life where the prophetic really took off was yeah. also a season where I practiced stillness before the Lord, just yeah. waiting on him and waiting in his presence. And I would wait till I felt his presence yeah. and I pressed every day for an encounter with the Lord. And he always showed up, you know, he always showed up in the word or in prayer and worship or however he'd show up, he'd always show up. And, um, and his presence changed my soul, changed my heart and my wounds and, um, and healed me. But then it calmed me and grounded me and gave me like a more pure filter for the world around. So that's great advice. Great advice. Well, Yvette, or yes, Yvonne (laughs) (laughs) yesterday. So (laughs) Yvonne, thank you so much for taking the time to share your journey and your expertise with my audience. It's been such a blessing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And you guys, thanks for listening and feel free to share this episode with anybody. If you're a feeler or you know some feelers who would benefit from the wisdom in this episode, make sure to share this. Oh, and before I let you go, can you share how people can connect with you? Yeah. So uh, we are on Instagram with Damascus experience. I also host my own podcast on the road to Damascus, Facebook, Damascus experience, and you can get a hold of me on www.damascusexperience.com. Some good words to memorize Damascus experience right there. That's the key. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.